It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Not only is my guest a triple threat artist, singer, songwriter, and musician, but she is also a four-time Grammy nominee, a BMH Honors Legends Award recipient, and a Jazz Walk of Fame inductee. So that would make her a six-fold threat. Alita Adams, my guest, is performing in Myron's at the Smith Center this Friday and Saturday, October 27th and 28th at 7 p.m. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com. And for everything about Olita Adams, go to olitaadams.com and you can follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Alita, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you. What, what informs your approach to music? Is it your roots in gospel or life in general or both or other things? I think it's all of that. It's really all of that. I love, I was thinking, uh, for example, when I get up in the morning, uh, I love to listen to Chopin or uh, to uh, Brazilian music or to uh, Alan Pasqua or anyone else like him, pianists. And, but yesterday, listening to classical music, I came across uh, the music of Carlos Simon and classical music of uh, Negro spirituals, it, you name it, all of that is inside me because I've been trained classically. I was trained as a lyric soprano, but my gospel roots uh, led me to be able to do popular music and R&B mm -hmm. and prepare me for the break that I received from, a, you know, British pop group. And it, it's like all of the above. Most of all, if it has emotion, if it has beautiful melodies, great chords, I think that's important and great lyrics. That is also very, very uh, important. I, in fact, I tried. I remember in the early, early days, I tried singing some of the songs, pop songs that had simple, mel real simple melodies, you know, like three dog night things, you know, uh, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I sounded <laughs> stupid, you know, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't make it work. It did not sound authentic. So <laughs> I stay away from that and I stay away from rap because I can't, I can't sing that fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I don't do hip hop, and uh, I don't do rap, and I don't do ooh yeah 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 yeah. You know, I don't do that. How about doo wop? I could probably do doo wop. That's slow enough, you know. That's that's probably <laughs> that could be your next album. What do you think? Oh, maybe. It'd be a, such a departure. I think people get a kick out of it. Oh, absolutely. I was fascinated by your background in church and in gospel. I, I think it's funny. People don't think of classical music necessarily as having emotion. But I, I think you made the point that it does. 
Besides, oh my, yeah, goodness. it's totally different from gospel, but it certainly has emotion. Oh, classical music has soul. It has soul. And when you hear any of those singers, I I go all that all the way back to Jesse Norman and Leontine Price. They make you weep. And uh, it, it's just some really, really beautiful, beautiful music. And, of course, you know, they build all of uh, the arias around operas. And, you know, in the opera, somebody's going to lose love or something important to them. Or their Somebody's going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Somebody's going to die. There's got to be some emotion there somewhere. <laughs> There's always crying, I promise you. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> so you're here to tell us that Chopin was a Brazilian. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you synthesize both of them. I love that. It, it's. Uh, I want to go back to gospel for just a second because... It is a very emotional and at the same time uplifting experience to hear gospel music. So when you were growing up, you were the daughter of a pastor. So that was in your blood. That was in your DNA. That was part of and still is part of you. Do you integrate that into anything else that you approach regardless of the genre of music? Oh, yes. There are... uh... (laughs) I was thinking about a Frank Sinatra song that I recorded in 16, I guess, 16 or 17. And I sang most of it like a standard. And then at the end, I put my own vamp on it and brought in a little bit of those, like, gospel mixed with some jazz roots. Nice. Uh, That song was only the lonely. And that's what I do. You know, it's loving adding that little bit of hot sauce or <laughs> that little bit of cha-cha. <laughs> a little spice. A Everybody little spice. else said, a little bit of spice, <laughs> right. And, and, that's, and that's the difference. And, and love and passion. And that's what it is. We're talking about passion. Absolutely. So uh, that, that's what makes music worthwhile even if it's not r&b or gospel music i i was thinking about all of the people who you know during woodstock you saw a lot of the ladies or guys you know out there in the wild with all those people there and you see somebody just start as we say, dancing like nobody's watching. You know, like, <laughs> those are some interesting moves. Well, <laughs> that, <laughs> uh, not moves that I grew up with, but nonetheless, it was passionate. It's what they felt like. It's like no limitations whatsoever. And sometimes we have to go there. Maybe when you're by yourself, I dance in in, in my house, in this room, I sing and I dance to the music. I get excited listening to my own music as well as others. And I think that's the key. If you can't be moved by what you do, then you will have to dig deeper inside and uh, try to find that. That's what makes performing special. When it is no longer like that, then um, I'll give it up. 
Oh, yeah, but that's we're, we're not at that point. So you're not going to give it up. Not yet. <laughs> I was just thinking a great double bill. Coming soon to your city, Alita Adams and the Spice Girls. What do you think? Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. I would want to be able to dance with them. That's the truth. <laughs> spice and Spice. I could just see it working. I, I was curious about artists that have a long career, and you're one of them. There's something besides talent that sustains an artist over decades. I don't know what that is. What is it for you, Alita Adams, who, again, is performing in Myron's at the Smith Center this Friday and Saturday, October 27th and 28th at 7 p.m.? I think quality music, music that is not trendy, music that speaks to the human condition. Uh, it is music that people has, they have invested in and relatable music. And I think, what am I going to say? A classic music does that. When you hear some of those songs, including, you know, certain Beatles songs, people remember the time that they first heard it and when they were growing up. That's really right now what that huge, big bang phase is going on about Taylor Swift all those people that were crowding those stadiums and saying, I will spend any amount to be there. They all said, I grew up with her music. Or they listened to it. That means they were invested in it. It spoke to them. And for them, that's really important. And for those young people, they're going to be playing her music for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. For my audiences, songs like Get Here caught them at a time when they were in need, a time when they were, well, they they needed support. They needed help. They, their loved ones were over in Desert Storm, someplace in the Middle East, and and they needed comfort. And you and I both know that before we want to feel better, we want to feel worse. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Part of you life. Know, we, Part of life. We, want, we want to play the blues before we go to church and be lifted out of it. You know, we're... It definitely Saturday night comes before Sunday. <laughs> yes, always. <laughs> but it's part of life, isn't it? The the that idea is to, part yeah. of life when it's authentic, when it's real, when it's yeah, when it's authentic and real, and and it speaks to you personally. I think that's what gets people, and and that's and I haven't changed that because I haven't tried to go for music that simply will be a hit. I sing what I really feel suits me and suits my audience. I think that's important. I think they call that, I'm making it up here, the Sinatra standard. He did with few exceptions. There were a couple of songs that they asked him to sing that he probably shouldn't have sung, but he pretty much stuck to his guns in terms of what was, as you say, authentic, what represented him as an artist, and that sustained an incredible career. Just as it sustains your career, you're, you're sticking to your guns, you're sticking to what works for you, and even mm -hmm. though you can explore all kinds of music, it still has to reflect you. And that, I think, 
may be the secret to my original question, which was what sustains you over decades? And I, I think mm -hmm. we've answered that, which is great. Now, you're mm -hmm. always touring. Are you at home on the road or would you rather be staying home? How does that work for you? Because you've been doing it so long. I would think it's a lot of guests I've had on the show talk about how when they're on stage, that's the moment, but everything else is work. In other words, when you're going to a venue, a city, they're paying you for the trouble of getting there, not so much for your time on stage, because you're going to love being on stage as a performer. Would that be kind of what you're looking you, at? You, you just said it, and that's really it. The, uh, particularly at this stage in my life, the, the travel hurts. We just got back this weekend from being on. I'm glad I live right in the middle of America. I live in, in Kansas City and, and it's right in the center. And so those trips are supposed to be shorter, but sometimes they make you go to Japan first before you go <laughs> right next door. And, and that hurts, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, 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 it just hurts. And, and then you, you know, the older you get, you have trouble sleeping. So you, you try to get a good night's sleep, but sometimes it doesn't work. And having to perform under those circumstances can be pretty tough. I love travel in general. I did love it before it got to be so complicated. Mm -hmm. And there's so much to worry about when they start messing around with the flights and there's all the delays and things, then that, that can get to you and having to eat, you know, to either eat airport food or, <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, star, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I've been known to do too. Uh, and then you have it, the, it becomes a little complicated. And you have the time zone issue too. So if you are yes. flying to Japan there, you've got to, You've got to have a little time to recover from jet lag, I would think. Yes, you know, those things uh, hurt. And uh, as we grow older, you keep, you spend a lot of time asking questions like, why is my body <laughs> behaving like this? <laughs> I, I, all I did was sit down for, for a few minutes. When I get up, it hurts. <laughs> but I would think when you're on stage creating magic that that is the part you where... You don't feel a thing. Right, yes. right. You, you go, I mean, there, there have always been in, in our histories time when we've had to perform while we were sick and... And you're fine until you walk off the stage and then it hits you. <laughs> and you go, what am I doing here? Uh, and there's so many more right now who are having to cancel shows and stuff. And, you know, I'm up there in that age bracket. So it's it it's understandable. And I'll keep going until it it's until it's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. But uh, it doesn't mean that I'll necessarily uh, stop singing. No, you can certainly record, and also you can travel yeah. to venues and cities near where you live in Kansas City. You're also part of the Pacific Northwest, too, because you spent earlier years in, I think, Seattle and Yakima, Washington, right? Yeah, I was born and raised there. Yeah, I was born and raised in Seattle and Yakima. My dad had a church in Seattle, and he had a church in Yakima, and... I went to school in Yakima and grew up there. I still have a lot of friends there. And it's it's wonderful coming from some of these places and then traveling around the world. I hope that I've made my uh, peers proud. 
Well, I think you have an interesting combination of being grounded with having grown up with a father who's a pastor, involved with obviously gospel music as well as the church. And well, the gospel music is part of the church, but also at the same time being in the entertainment world and touring. So you're seeing, let us say, both sides of life or both extremes, positive and sometimes negative on the entertainment side, it can be. But the fact that you were grounded as you were in Washington and then eventually moving to Kansas City, which I want to talk to you about, but I think that works out for you because it gives you a much more balanced approach than I think a lot of performers have. You know, I think I'm happiest about that. Even when I was out on the road with a band like Tears for Fears or because at that time they were still young and things could get kind of wild, but I was still the same person that I am. And I think this is important for me to say out loud for other young people um, that you don't have to change because just because you've been given a break, still be the person that you are and uh, you survive. And even the 17 years before I got the break, you know, you go to the club and you perform the songs and you meet all kinds of people, especially when you're playing in a club that's in a hotel. So they're getting conventions and all sorts of things coming through people from all walks of life. And as well as other musical stars. And it's really important that you maintain the, you know, the character um, that you've been taught, you know, that has been rooted and grounded in you because you're going to need it because you'll have a lot of people, especially as you start to climb you have people whispering in your ear and telling you this and telling you that. And you need to surround yourself with the people who will be completely honest with you and who will not just simply try to placate you in order to, for you to do what they want you to do. I've said no a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I probably shortened, I probably... Uh, caused my career to to not be quite as big, but uh, I'm doing what I want to do. I don't feel like I've really missed out on anything at this point. It it could only be about oh, you didn't get to go and play that many places or that place over there, or you didn't get to make more money. That's all it could be because what you're doing is you're still playing to people, and I'm doing that exactly, and you're. And so uh, you're still, you know, making a living at it. So I haven't really missed out. And if I'm not on the lips, you know, if my name is not on the lips of people every single day, that's okay. I'm still making new friends each day. Absolutely. So, uh, and people are still buying records or streaming my tunes and, So you have to learn to be very content being who you are. Well, there's something that you said earlier, and and you're absolutely correct, 
well, what you're talking about. And that, that word is self-respect. You had self-respect. And I think what happens is, even though, as you say, you had to say no a lot, and you may not have gotten certain opportunities, but on the other hand, those you worked with had to, at some point, respect you because you had your own self-respect. And in the mm-hmm. long term, going back to that original question I had for you, part of your enduring career is that you do have that sense of self-respect, that authenticity, and that allows you to take the blows and take the praise. As you said before, you got to get the praise and then the blows, you know, in terms of life. But I think that's the key. It's important for, and I'm glad you shared it with people who are listening or watching who may have kids or are at that age where they're starting to perform and, and get a sense of themselves and not give in to just the latest shiny object because they want to advance a career. So that really is important. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, there, I'm sure were several people that were influential in your life. How important was Lee Farrell? Oh, wow. That was, that was everything. She taught me, she was my high school vocal coach and school teacher, first of all, choir. She had the choir that everybody wanted to get into. And then she personally took me on as a, and gave me private lessons. She said, I said, I would like to go to Juilliard like you did and sing classical music. And she said, well, because at, at that time I was a lyric soprano. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I think your chest voice is the one that's going to really be successful. And I'm going to teach you how to keep it. Because I was singing everything. I was, you know, singing in choir and then going home and singing in my choirs and directing them. And, you know, at church, you're screaming and hollering (laughs) and doing that forever and ever and shouting and screaming and singing down here and singing up there, you know. And so she taught me how to keep it. and, And then, of course, when you start doing gigs you know, six nights a week, three one-hour shows a night, 50 weeks out of the year. That's a lot. It is. And I would be sounding a lot better right now if I hadn't <laughs> sung so much then. It's like I had, my voice has said, I'm tired. And, uh, and so you squeak out what's left, you know, even though I can hear where I want to go. <laughs> and it may or may not come out. But uh, that's the thing, you know, that's, but she taught me how to dress. She made my clothes. She designed my clothes. She taught me about the business. She taught me about the, about the psychology of performing and how to deal with band members as a woman. Mm-hmm. Because at, at the time that I came up, you didn't have a lot of women band leaders. And I became a band leader because and pianist because I'm the only pianist who has never left me. I had two. We rehearsed over the weekend and got ready for the show. And the, and the, I said, go home, change your clothes, come back for the gig. And the piano players didn't show up. So I had to sit down. And then I had my own sound and people loved it. And she taught me a lot how to read music, how to write music in terms of 
putting my thoughts on paper so that I could present it to the players instead of saying, you know, it sort of kind of goes like, you know, write it down, write this chord, that chord is this, 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 and helped me to learn how to deal with disappointments. She was great Mm -hmm. at that. You know, usually she'd take me to some place that I enjoyed, like sitting out on a boat or in a park, someplace where you're enjoying the day. And I've got some news and I, I hate to tell you this, but you're not, your contract is not being picked up Mm -hmm. and you feel like the whole world is coming down. I now have learned how to let a lot of that roll or maybe all of it roll off of my he, that's what she said you have to grow feathers that's what she always feathers said. i like that grow feathers. not a thick and skin just feathers yeah feathers <laughs> and let it roll off you know and and i've learned how to do that and i also learned how to give she used to say you know you could really learn how to have a, a little bit more grace with your players because you know, some women, when they start out as leaders, they're so tough on the guys mm-hmm. and they feel they have to be that way because the guys were tough on them. But, you know, honey will get you a whole lot more than pepper. Absolutely. So, so I've learned how to be gracious and learn how to remember what I went through so that I don't do that to other people. Did she get a chance to see your career blossom? Uh, Let me me tell you, when I gave her the first gold record, I'll never forget that. Uh, She went outside. She carried it outside to show it to the neighbors. You're talking about people who, you know, came from Yakima, Washington, small town. And people were mad at her because they had hoped that their kids would be taught by her. And so they all got angry, you know. But she took me on and went down to California and and we started this journey, which took about, like I said, 17 years, Mm -hmm. 17 or 18 years before we got the break. And she was able to say, we did it. And that was so special. And I also took her to the Grammys twice. Excellent. That's great. Well, before I let you go, what are you bringing to the Smith Center? Have you decided what the repertoire will be? Oh, heck no. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you. I love that. Most of the people I talk to, they say, oh, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to let's leave it at that. That's perfect. That's a great way to leave it. My guest has been four-time Grammy nominee, singer, songwriter, musician, Olita Adams. And she's performing at Myron's at the Smith Center this Friday and Saturday, October 27th and 28th at 7 p.m. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com for everything about Olita Adams. Go to olitaadams.com and you can follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Olita, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you again. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. 
Each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah,